pandemic is treatable. That's the opening words of our text for this week in our Core 52 study. And those words were written, published in 2019, weeks if not months before COVID-19 came about. So this pandemic is treatable. What's he talking about? It's the pandemic of worry and anxiety. We live in anxious, worrisome times. And in fact, Dr. Daniel Amen and some others identified that there's a study that called the state of your mind early on in 2020, February to March time frame, that uh, antidepressant medication requests spiked by 34% from the previous months. So we live in anxious times. We are in challenging season of our lives. And so this text that we're going to dive into today from Philippians chapter 4 provides us some strong foundations to live for Jesus and live confidently as we address the worry and anxiety in our lives. But let's be honest, if you're alive, you probably have had some worry. That's, that's normal, but uh, our, our author says it's bad theology to let worry guide our lives. And so our answer today to address worry and anxiety, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I want to encourage you to memorize these verses this week. And it goes something like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and thanksgiving, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul gives us uh, a a caution. Don't do this. Don't worry. He gives us a challenge. Pray about everything. And then he shows us the results. God's peace is going to be with us. That's the map for today. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And God's peace is going to take care of it all. And so this phrase, do not be anxious about anything, is so hard because, let's be honest, we are anxious people. The Apostle Paul even had anxiety. You go just a couple chapters earlier in his letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, he's talking about his dear friend Epaphroditus, and he says, this guy almost died serving you, but God spared me sorrow upon sorrow and and rescued him. He did not die. There in the last few verses of chapter 2 of Philippians, and then he says, therefore, in verse 28, therefore I'm all the more eager to send Epaphroditus so that you may see him again, so that you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So Paul understood what anxiety is like. It's stressful. And I've been talking, there's, you know, just people in the counseling profession, they're booked out, folks. There's just, there's just an overwhelming need at this stage in our, in our lives right now for mental health. And so I just want you to know here at Berlin Church, we take mental health seriously. We want to make sure that, that we are a body of followers of Jesus that say, we're going to walk with you through this and that you are not alone. We want to help you in this, uh, in this idea of just being healthy in our mental state of mind too. That's real and we take it seriously and we're not going to condemn you for anything like that. We want to walk through this journey with you. That's not, you're not alone. But God has given us this gift in our brains. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for my, this is my, I'm putting my neurologist hat on again, so you got to watch it when the preacher plays neurosurgeon. But here's, uh, here I found this thing out uh, the last few weeks. In your brain, God has given us two little almond-shaped clusters of neurons. 
Are you ready for this? They're called your amygdala. Amygdala. I won't even ask you to say it or spell it because I'm not sure if I can. Your amygdala. But there are these two little almond-shaped clusters of neurons in your brain. And you're thankful for your amygdala because your amygdala works when you uh, touch something that's really hot and you do this number. Whoa, that was hot. Your amygdala just worked. It's, it's your fight or flight response. Whenever you're walking on a trail and you see this slithery, slimy thing walk out in front of you, what's your first response going to be? Whoa, that's your amygdala. Aren't you thankful you have two amygdalas? It's, it's what happens. So it's your brain. It's gonna, it's just, it just happens, okay? It doesn't have to. It just, that's what happens. That's a good thing. Bad thing about your amygdala is it's very subjective. It just it doesn't it doesn't go through the courses of, of working. So when we let the amygdala guide our life choices, then it doesn't turn out real good because you have that negative conversation with your family member, or your coworker, and you do the fight or flight amygdala response, and you either just run away or you punch the guy. Not going to turn out real good. So that's why God has given us more than just those two little almond-shaped clusters of neurons in our brains. He's given us our prefrontal cortex. Does that sound right? Doesn't that sound cool? There's something in your brain that tells you to think. Like, this is not a good choice. I need to think through this and some logical reasons. The consequences of me hitting this guy in this moment may not be a very good thing long-term. may feel good in the moment, but long-term I may be in jail. So aren't you thankful we've got all these different parts of our brain working together? And so we deal with anxiety. This amygdala happens. We have this stuff. But we've also got brains that God has given us to think through some situations. And so as we're in this series, and this is the final sermon on change your mind, change your life, the Apostle Paul wants to to think and to think differently. And so aren't you glad that he gave us some words to think on? Verse 8, Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In our thinking, we can actually change our mind. We can think different thoughts and we can dwell on things that are true and beautiful and lovely and profitable and right and excellent. Our action step this week, as we try to address this uh, issue of worry and anxiety, is to do a media audit. And so just kind of put two columns. How much time are you spending watching television and consuming news? Which is not bad, but let's be honest. All that stuff just ramps up anxiety. Radio, social media, just all the media stuff. Just kind of log that. And then your other column. How much time am I reading my Bible? How much time am I praying? How much time am I with my brothers and sisters in worship? How much time am I listening to Christian music? How much time am I serving in the name of Jesus? How much time do I have in a relationship with some other people that love Jesus, a discipleship relationship, a small group relationship, some type, and just kind of do the math. And which side's winning? And I have a hunch 
that if the media side is winning and you're experiencing a lot of stress and worry and anxiety, that's probably a lot of it. Not always, but that's a lot of it. And so if you can tip the balance to God's truth and think about what's lovely and profitable and excellent, that's quite possibly a, a way to help address it. Now, that's not the only way, but that's a way to address this issue of worry and anxiety. The Apostle Paul wants us to think differently. And when we think, we learn some things. We learn some things. And if you continue on in Paul's letter, Philippians 4, verse 11, he said, I'm not saying that I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I think that could be a great uh, sentence for the last two years. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. We don't have to accept them. We don't have to like them. But there's, we've got to find a contentment to say, okay, Jesus is still on the throne here, and it's, it's all going to work out. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He's talking about physical need and, and having what, you know, lots or, or, or nothing. But here's what he continues on. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, well, well, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So when you think on things of God, you learn some things about him and how he can help you. This chapter, chapter 4 of Philippians, sounds a little bit like uh, Paul's taking some notes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, you know, that's the longest section in chapter 6 of Matthew's Gospel about worry. So if you, if you want some more on worry, anxiety, Matthew 6. And he talks about, why are you worrying about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet God takes care of them. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't labor or spin. And yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And then it says, are you not much more valuable than these? So if we're more valuable than birds and lilies, then God's going to take care of us. I think that can help us as we think about not worrying, not being anxious about anything. So don't be anxious about anything. The challenge, but pray about everything with thanksgiving. But in every situation, pray with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He gives us four angles on prayer. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. So in case you didn't figure that out, here's what I really want you to do. Prayer is just that general term of us talking with God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, relationship. Prayer and petition. Petition is saying, God, I need some things. There's just some things in life I I need. So there's a sense of need and you're asking for help. With thanksgiving, isn't it nice that this verse landed on this weekend? It was perfect. It just kind of, that's how God's Holy Spirit works that out. With thanksgiving, the word thanksgiving, if you break it down, just means good grace. Good grace. It's some churches use it to describe the communion meal that we're going to have in a few moments. The Eucharist. That's what thanksgiving means. And then it says, present your request to God. Again, that's just another word of saying asking, to ask. 
So can I give you another, this is just quick, I, just, I, want, I want to share this with you just briefly, okay? You can write down on your, in your notes if you want to, ACTS, A-C-T-S. Here's a simple way to know how to pray. ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, adore, you praise God. So you can say, God, I praise you, fill in the blank. I'm teaching you how to pray here, folks, okay? Adoration, confession, C, confess, I need some help. God, I confess, and you just fill in the blank. I've done something wrong. Disagree with God with what you did. T, thanksgiving. God, thank you for fill in the blank. And then the big fancy word, supplication for S. I wish it didn't have to be that way. It just means, God, will you supply my needs? You ask for what you need. So praise God first. Confess. I've done some things wrong, but you've forgiven me. Thank you, Jesus. And then help me supply my needs. A-C-T-S. It's a great way to pray. And so that's really, really, I want to encourage you to pray on that way. Something else uh, that we, we can think about is that God wants to meet our needs. God wants to meet our needs. Again, in Philippians 4, verse 19, here's what it says. The Apostle Paul says, And my God will meet all your needs according to your riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I listened to a podcast with Paul David Tripp a few weeks ago. He's got a really cool mustache, if you Google his picture. I thought about putting it up there, but I'm like, yeah, you go find it yourself. Cool mustache, preacher guy. And he says, here's three prayers I want people to pray every day. Okay. So you might want to write this down, too, because I didn't put it on the screen. Uh, The first prayer he prays is, God, I am a person in need of your grace. Sounds a little bit like confession, doesn't it? I'm a person. Aren't you glad? Sometimes it's just good to remind us, I am a person. You're a human being in need of God's grace. I'm in need of your grace. That's the first prayer. Second prayer, Lord, send me your helpers. You ever thought about that way? Send me your helpers. Or send someone or something to help me today. You following me? So you're thinking about trying to address worry. God, send, some, send your helpers this way. Third prayer, God, give me the humility to accept the help with joy. Give me the humility to accept the help with joy. I've been praying it this way. Lord, help me recognize the help when it comes. Because don't you do, are you like me? God, help me. I want some help. And then God shows up and we don't even recognize it. You're like, duh. So I need your help. Send your helpers. Help me receive the help with joy. I've been praying that for a couple weeks, and there's been some fun answers that I'd like to share with you, me and you. I don't want to share it now because there's some fun things that it's just, I'll be happy to talk with you. But when you pray that prayer, God's, it just, it's amazing. God will work. So that's one thing I want to encourage you to pray about, is just pray uh, for those help. Studies have shown, so I'm going to go back to neuro, neuroscience for a quick moment. Studies have shown, there's actually people that study this. They'll hook up whatever those things are to your brain while you're praying. They've done some studies. And they have found out that 12 minutes of prayer a day over about eight weeks changes your brain. Praying 12 minutes a day over an eight-week period, they can actually measure in your brain some changes. And they've shown, you know, when you're praying different Parts of your brain are lighting up. And some of the skeptics are saying, well, anything you do with your brain is going to change. Yeah, true. 
But one of the guys who's Andrew Newberg's his name, the scientist, he's not even a Christian. He's like, yeah, but the really key thing is when you're praying, you actually have to believe it. So if you actually believe that you're praying, then it really kind of does some cool things in your brain. So change your mind, change your life. Pray with thanksgiving. In every situation, I want you to pray with thanksgiving. That's the Apostle Paul's words. There's another study I found that if you write three thank yous each day, not notes, just in a journal, just jot down three things you're thankful for every day over a few weeks, you're going to feel happier. You're just going to feel better. So again, if you're wanting to try and get out of worry and anxiety and just have a better life, every night before you go to bed, jot down three things you're thankful for. So I brought my journal. I've been doing this for a few weeks now. So here's, here's where we're going to have some audience interaction. Are you ready? So I want you, and this is for you watching on Facebook. If you get here, and if you can log in in time and we can get the information, you can participate right here, right now, in lifetime. But I want you to pick uh, one day between November 1st and yesterday, the 27th. So I just need a number between 1 and 27, and I'll look in my journal and I'll read a thank you. So Facebook, send it in. Lena will let me know if that comes. So num- you're gonna, I'm going to do this for three so you're going to be number three. But this is where you get to participate here in the room. I want you to pick a number between 1 and 27 for the day of the month of November, and I'll read one of my thank yous. So who wants to share a number? Is that one? So I, I see number five, and then Jack, what one do you want? Is that, you want number five? Okay, so November 5th. Here's what I wrote. There it is. Okay, I need to make sure. I, oh, this is a good one, too. Thanks for picking this one, Jack. So I wrote this. I had, oh. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I said I wrote, um, so I just, I write three things. Well, first I put bummed. What what bummed me out that day? I won't read that because I actually had nothing to report that day. I like those days, but most of the days there's always something that bums you out, frustrates you. And then I write my thank yous. And this is the one I wrote for November 5th. So thank you, Jack. I had some nice time with Ada, Amelia, and Silas, Beth, and Parker outside. Beth watches some little kiddos. Uh, it was a beautiful fall day around midday. It was just a glorious, one of those sunshiny trees are all on fire, gold, yellow, pretty colors. Uh, so that's what I wrote for my thank you. Thank you, Jack. What's another number? And then we'll see if anybody's online. If not, then we'll do three in person. Yes? November 16. I had to make sure I wrote something for every day. I think I did. So that was the other thing. And if you don't, it's okay. God still loves you. Don't feel bad. But I've been in a good routine. Okay. Which one do I want to put here? Hmm. Wow. There's really good ones. So, um, all right. Uh, I'm going to say two for this day because I just want to. One is thank you for a nice swim at the YMCA. I got to go swimming, so that was nice. And then I was thankful to share with Jordan Ix, he's a preacher, and he's preparing to preach for his uh, first uh, his first uh, funeral for a suicide. But I was thankful that I had that opportunity to talk to him because been there, done that. It's been hard, but I was thankful for that conversation to help a dear brother in that moment. So that was November sixteenth. Anybody from Facebook land? Okay. We tried to include you folks. Email me later and I'll see what I can do for you. One more here in the room. I see this number. Is that six or seven? Seven? Okay, November 7th. 
thanks for letting me read my journal to you. I, I also have the privilege the, the, the out to screen this. Okay. Uh, what did I write here? Uh, oh, this was fun. So Grace, my daughter Grace, she invited some teens after a youth group over to our house. We had 21 people in the house. Um, that counted all of us. I, I can't even read my writing that time. Uh, so we had like this, uh, what do we call it, UNO party? We had a big UNO party. There were 21 people in our house uh, on a Sunday night. Some people are like, and you're saying thank you for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I was thankful to have some kids in, uh, in our home and just to, to be a, a light in their life. So. so the goal is when you go through that, it's going to help reframe your perspective. My dear friend Wayne Shaw, who was in the hospital years ago, he said, I'm not depressed because I have so much to be thankful for. He was talking about how the people took care of him in the hospital and just counting your blessings. So if you get in these worrisome, anxious, just the sky is falling moments, write some thankful thank yous uh, because it will help uh, reframe your focus. I've got more if you want to share more with me afterwards. I'd be happy to share. It's always fun. So, the caution, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, everything, pray with thanksgiving. The result, dun da 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 and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, that's the result. As we pray with thanksgiving, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So there's some things that, that, that we say that we just cannot explain. There's just a peace that we just can't even you know, explain, and it's so, so good. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You go a little bit later in Philippians 4, verse 9. Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. It's our verse here in Philippians that Paul describes what this peace is like. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. People have said that this peace is obtained and maintained through communion with Christ. This peace comes with Jesus, and you keep this peace with Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. People have asked me, in fact, I was uh, at the basketball game last night, and someone said, how was your sabbatical? And I just want to say again, thank you for that gift of time. It was so generous of you. Uh, to, to love on me and my family in that way. So thank you. And so I generally say, yeah, it was really good. And then I say this, and it took me some time to figure this out, but I found that there's a peace, a peace in my heart that I didn't even know was there. I just found this peaceful feeling in my heart, and I'm like, wow, that really feels nice. I didn't even know it existed. So thank you for that time to kind of debrief, you know, unload and just rest and be with God. I just can't explain it. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. I think that might be a little bit what that was, is what Paul might be talking about. 
There's a peace that comes from God. And I like the image that it guards our hearts, almost like this soldier standing guard. He's going to protect you from all this bad stuff out there. So the peace of God transcends all understanding, guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what I came today to say. The peace of God guards our hearts and our minds as we pray with thanks. As we pray with thanks, God's peace is going to come. It's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard, guard your heart and guard your mind. We're talking about change your mind, change your life. So the peace of God. I think about peace. Um, I think about that it's the absence of war. That's true. We were on uh, holiday. Isn't it fun to say? We're on holiday. I feel like I'm from England. We're on holiday this week. And so we went through Jefferson City, Missouri, on our way to see family. And I thought in the morning, we're going through Jefferson City. Uh, We've got Jade here from France. Wouldn't it be fun to go through the state capitol in Jefferson City? I'd like to go down here too. Uh, But I'm like, hey, let's go check it out. Because they've got a cool museum and everything in uh, Jefferson City. And uh, we were just able to walk in, which is really nice. And they have this 18-foot model of the USS Missouri, the big battleship. You recognize that? And, uh, and Walker was with me, and I'm like, hey, Walker, you know, you like um, um, history and stuff? And I'm like, this battle, we're reading all this stuff. And I said, this is where World War II ended. They signed the, the treaty, you know, and they sailed it into Tokyo. Sailed it. They brought it into Tokyo Bay, and that was where the peace treaty for World War II was signed on the USS Missouri. No more war. Peace. That's one definition of peace. There's no more war. There's no more conflict. It's peace. Another way to describe peace is that you're, you're put together. You're whole. You're well. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When I think of peace, I also think about our American Heritage Girls. And I can remember a lesson that Beth Beams, now Beth Beams Cox, was teaching the girls. I happened to be sitting in on that lesson that night. And they were working on first aid. They were doing their first aid badge, learning how to administer first aid. And I can still remember, we were in the fellowship hall, and she said, whenever I come up to a situation, because she was a nurse, is a nurse. She said, when I come up to a situation that I recognize I'm going to need some first aid, some intervention, maybe it's a Band-Aid or maybe it's something really serious, she says, I always do this. She said, I take a deep breath in. And then when I breathe out, I just say the word peace. Breathe in. Peace. That's, she said, I do that a couple times before I, as I'm assessing the situation. Aren't you glad you've got people that have peaceful demeanors when they come in? You don't want your paramedic crazy, anxiety, worried, just, I mean, just sporadic, do you? You want someone, peace, and they're going to help you. You want people of peace when people are hurting. My friends, we've got a world out here that needs a lot of first aid right now. Some of it might be physical, but a lot of it's spiritual and emotional. And we need God's people to be people of peace. Where we can walk into those situations and we're not going to get sucked into the stuff. We're going to be able to say, Peace. And we're going to have some things to say from this good book. 
and we're going to have the Holy Spirit, and we're going to have some power, and we're going to be able to walk into those situations. We're going to be able to bandage up some spiritual wounds with the grace of God. Are you following me? This pandemic is treatable because we have the mind of Christ. One last verse. If you're at our house around bedtime, we get circled up in the living room usually, and we'll pray, and I'll kind of say, who wants to say the prayer? Sometimes we all pray, and sometimes Walker or some, well, I shouldn't call him out. He's not the only one. Some of the kids are like, can we just say one prayer, Dad, because we just want to go to bed. Uh, so we pray. He's you, he's you, but I love him. Uh, but he speaks for the group, so I know they all have that feeling sometimes. But uh, we have our prayer, and then I do this with them. I got this idea from one of my preacher friends, Wayne Bushnell, a handful of years ago when my kids were this bitty. Uh, he prayed uh, the last few verses of Numbers chapter 6 over his kids. And it was kind of funny because our friend uh, Tommy Wolford, if you remember Tommy, when they would spend the night at our house every once in a while, I'd pray this with them because this is what we do at the Rosie house before we go to bed. And it wasn't until a year or two later when he was at church, a year or two ago when he was at church, he was like, I thought this was Pastor Brosie's prayer. This is, I found out it's a Bible verse. Uh, so here's the verse. So if you're at our house before bed, you're going to hear these words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.